Hey guys, before this episode goes out, just wanted to hop in real quick and let you know that we had a small snafu in the middle of recording, and we lost a couple of minutes, which is why there's going to be a sudden break just before we get into reviews. So you didn't really miss anything important, you just uh, missed a great joke about Chip Zdarsky being born a carrot, um, which as far as I know is irrefutable truth. Anyway guys, just wanted to let you know, and here's the show. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, Dan Slott shifts, Astro City ends, the Doomsday Clock strikes three, and the Power Rangers soldier on. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. I'm David Luzader. That is Nick Shermooksness. You are the listening audience. And this is the show where we talk about comic books and the news and the releases and the glavin and all that good stuff. And that shouldn't be playing, but we're good now. We're fine. <laughs> Off to a great start, Off like to always. A start. I know people are probably asking themselves, hey, this is about the time of the month. You should be releasing your interview. And uh, I agree with you, but we have not. Uh, we've been having some issues scheduling the guest, and hopefully we will have that up next week. So uh, if people could go on Twitter and just tweet out, heck yeah, we want at Beth Revis on the podcast, something like that. Now, just, yeah, heck yeah, we want at Beth Revis on the at Heck Yeah Comics podcast. Well, this is that? the hashtag? No, it's not a hashtag. God, just tweet oh, that. I was going to say it's a, long, it's a long hashtag. But I feel like you need to add a hashtag on, on there for it to, like, so that it trends. Like, hashtag first of all, Heck not, Yeah Comics. First of all, we're not going to trend. Revis on show. No, interview. that's, whoa, no, that is, that is a long hashtag. Are you, are you going to include never, end hashtag on there? Okay, don't you get that and put that on all hashtags? It's like quote and end quote. No. Quote. So Hashtag. I I think if we're gonna go with a hashtag, oh, am I? it would just be hashtag HYC. I don't know. H, H, uh, people might confuse that with hashtag NYC, and they'll think that we're, you know, New York City. That's fine. Whereas like culture... they'll be like they'll they'll like tweet about how there's like a sewage problem, but they'll accidentally do hashtag HYC, and then suddenly do it's you... like trending that like what? our podcast has a sewage pro- problem. I don't think you understand how hashtags work. Hashtag. Uh, yeah, people are yeah. not getting on the internet. Oh, sewage problem. Hashtag the city I'm in. First off, first off, I work in social media. This is exactly what people do. People get on social media for everything. Everything. Uh, my coworkers being such a for everything. My coworkers being such a beanbag. Hashtag NYC. That, that I yeah that would that would go that would that's a good one I think I'm not really good at hashtags. That is becoming very. I, I work in social media. I guess I'm probably not the best person to be working in social media, but I am. Please don't fire me. Hey, remember when? Remember when you were like, "I'm going to start responding to all of your tweets," and you've responded to maybe two. First off, I only respond to tweets that I get alerted to by my phone, and my phone has decided not to alert me for any other tweets. And when it does alert me for your tweets, it to- shows me tweets from like four days ago. And you tweet too much, and I can't keep up. Tweet, I tweet like maybe once a day, maybe twice a day, depending on the day. You know how often I tweet, David? No, never. I, I, Zero times a month. I think negative if you go on my two, Twitter right now, you'll find two, two test posts for work, and then I think I tweeted at, at something because I was trying to enter a contest. You work in social That's media good. and have no social media presence? I That is... I'm like the Ron Swanson of social media. I don't, that's not if, how that works. But like, see. just in the sense that I work in a field that. that you, I'm going to stop. I think there's hate? some comic book news stories that are definitely coming up that we should talk about. You work in a field that you secretly hate, is what you're saying? 
No, I would not. I, I love social media. I love everyone else choosing social media and not me. I think it's okay to work in a field that you don't necessarily spend time doing in your personal life. Ooh, please keep digging this hole. Do you, David, enjoy reading support emails for... You don't know what I do. Student. You don't know the company I work for. <laughs> it's it's like Invisalign or something. But What? The, but but you you answer do you answer support emails for for college students that need software that does something in your spare in your personal time, David? I bet you don't. I bet you don't enjoy it. Uh, I respond to your texts. That's like working in a support position. Why don't we go ahead oh, and God, jump sucker. into the news? There it is. Our top story today. <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. All right, our first story this evening is that Dan Slott, the man that you probably thought started Spider-Man at this point, is going to be no longer writing it, and instead will now be writing bum ba da Invincible Iron Man. Dun-dun-dun! That's right, Dan Slott, who has written nearly 200 issues of... Nearly, really? Not more Not more than 200 issues? Uh, it's the, from my understanding, it's, it is... Less than 200. Hold on a sec. Okay. Yeah, I'm not... I, I heard somewhere someone say that it was less than... I mean, he's only been on the book for, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah, only 10 years, but he started on it when it was shipping three times a week. And then for most of his run, it's been two times a week. And I don't feel like doing the math, but that still sounds like a lot of comic books. Yep. Anyway, Dan Slott, who has been writing the character for 10 years, as we mentioned, and has written... A lot will uh, be taking over Bendis's current role as the writer of Invincible Iron Man, and Bendis will then. Um, do we know about where Bendis is going? Uh, I've heard rumors that he might be working for IDW now. Okay, yeah, I thought that he had an Oni Press book coming out, but I wasn't sure if we confirmed that or not. I think they canceled it, even though some of it was already produced, and he signed an exclusive contract with uh idw yeah mm, yeah he's gotcha. gonna be he's the writer on the new song the headshot comic that now that idw has the license you've heard it here first folks brian michael bendis on sonic the hedgehog for idw i was totally a thing we are we are not lying also that would be kind of awesome i would read it for a book about a character that's super fast and bendis's plots are super slow no it's actually that's perfect oh my gosh bendis why did you go to DC, why did you have to be in Action Comics number 1000? You're missing out on the best opportunity of your career. Anyway, uh, as Bendis... But yeah, Dan Slott on... uh, on, I was going to say, as Bendis is leaving the title, he will be bringing Tony Stark back into the suit. So when Dan Slott... Yeah, right. When Dan Slott picks up, he will be picking up with, with... Tony Stark in the suit, not uh, is it still Riri Williams as Ironheart right now? Is Riri Williams as Ironheart, and she's going to be joining the uh, champions uh, as Jim Zub takes over. That's another news story. Okay. Um, but um, and then of course there's Victor Von Doom as as the infamous Iron Man. Right. Uh, so that's been going on. I don't think anyone was shocked that Tony back Tony Tony Black Tony, <laughs> Tony Stark is uh-huh. coming back. Um, just cause that's what usually happens though for, and also cause like the latest storyline is called the search for Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Now, how crazy would it be if at the end of the search for Tony Stark, they just didn't find him. If he was just like still in his coma, like in a basement somewhere, just like my friends are going to find me. This is him talking in his coma. And, uh, and then they, they just give up because they, they just, they could never find him and he just stays there in and that's really sad. We that call is, it. We call the storyline Tony in a bottle. Tony, yes, Tony, Tony in a bottle. Uh, sad Tony. <laughs> sad Tony is a really weird story. Anyway, anyway yeah, Dan Slott um, has had a very illustrious career on, on Spider-Man. Uh, has written a lot of major stories. Um, I did not read. I did go back and read a lot of his, uh, like through Brand New Day, and when he took over with Big Time uh, to try and catch up. After I jumped back in with Superior Spider-Man, which I love. Uh, Post Superior Spider-Man, though, like I kind of was back and forth, and have mostly fallen off at this point. Uh, I was much. I guess it for me it says something when I'm a bigger fan of the fact when he has a megalomaniacal supervillain in the role of Spider-Man than the person than like Spider-Man himself. 
uh, as far as like how he tries to to write uh, Peter Parker. So uh, that being said, like total marks, like he wrote the title for ten years for a lot of highs and lows. There are a lot of different Marvel uh, changes at Marvel, uh, and it's definitely something worth commanding. Uh, I'll be very curious to see who picks up the baton and runs with it. Yeah, yeah, so that's one thing we haven't heard yet is who will be taking over on Spider-Man. Uh, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really know Slot's work um, all too well. I've read some Spider-Man here and there as he's written it. Uh, I like to joke about his longevity on it and just kind of that he has kind of, from my understanding, run out of steam on the book. Uh, I mean, that's good that he's going over to a new character and he sounds very excited about it. Apparently, this is something that he's known about and they've talked about doing uh, since 2014's Spider-Verse event. So, yeah, so I don't I don't know. um, I I don't know if they had this exact uh, exact timeline in mind. You know, it could have just been like, hey, we want to get you on Iron Man at some point. Uh, oh God, just remind he reminded everyone very much in the same way. I was saying Peter Parker is never coming back. I killed him during the superior Spider-Man. I lied. I lied horribly. Yeah. That's a really great thing to do is lie to your fans. They, well, love, it. they love it when you do that. I, I lie to my fans all the time. I lie about the fact that I have fans. <laughs> well, are you going to defend, um, defend slot here? No, I'm not. I'm not defending Sly here, but just first off, we live in an, an, an age now in an industry where like people are chopping at the bit for every little single detail. Like it can't just be like, "Hey guys, we're going to tease you with this idea of Doctor Octopus taking over Peter Parker's body," and like just read the freaking story. But it's no, like I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you turned Captain America into a Nazi. Blah blah, and like people freak out instead of just uh, indulging the story for a period of, all, of time. First of all, turning Cap into a Nazi is kind of... Into a Hydra agent. Into a Nazi. Into a Nazi. Is flying kind of in the face of Captain America. The thing, though, like... Which is what makes the story compelling. The same... It's not not any... It's not any... I'm not saying the story was executed well, but I'm saying as an idea, it's, it's 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 a really compelling idea of taking someone who stands for, like, justice and liberty in the American way and all that, like Superman... And and then inverts that into his worst nightmare. That doesn't okay. Just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should. Doesn't mean it's a good idea. But what I'm trying to say here, what I'm trying to say here with slot is, if you're asked, oh hey, is Peter Parker like, will Peter Parker ever be Spider-Man again? It's comic books. Don't try to be like, oh no, I killed him. He's never coming back. Of course he's but coming back. I'm sorry, back. you're an stupid. idiot if you believed him. But that doesn't. But people are going to believe. And yeah, okay, that might be an idiot, but that still doesn't like give you license of like, yeah, I'm just gonna say whatever and like screw the people. Like, don't try to pretend that like we've really shifted the status quo for all time. You know what? I'm defending Dan Slot here. I think that he was trolling the trolls, and I commend him for it. And I, I really, I, really hope giving, that Doc Ock takes Slott over Peter Parker's body again. I hope that I hope that Doc Ock takes over Tony Stark's body, and Invincible <laughs> Iron Man. I, oh man! If they would just be like, "No, we're retitling it to Superior Iron Man." Wait, didn't we already do Superior Iron Man? Yeah, but not with Doc Ock controlling Tony Stark. Yeah, so and that's just his first story. Iron Octopus, I guess, is what would be the suit. No, what Dan Slott should do on 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 Iron Man is do a storyline where Iron Man sells the company and then becomes a photographer for the Daily Bugle. Don't give him ideas. That is fantastic. Tony Stark tries to become an everyman, and like he has one armor, he keeps one armor, but because he gave up everything, he can't afford it. So he's scraping by trying to sell pictures to J. Jonah Jameson for his blog. By the way, J. Jonah works on his own blog. He doesn't even work for the Daily Daily Plant, Daily Bugle anymore. Wait, so and wait, like he, every wasn't, time he like, wasn't he like mayor of New York briefly? He was mayor then. He wasn't mad. Then he was the host of a TV show, and then he wasn't the host of a TV show, and now he runs his own blog. Oh, and somehow still affords an apartment in New York City. Oh, J. Jameson's in a really interesting place. Spoiler alerts, he learned Peter Parker reveals his secret identity to him. Uh, if you haven't been reading Spectacular, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, I that's another book that's out there by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, but anyway, I am gunning hard for Tony Stark, every man. But see, like, here's the thing, though. It's got to be like just different enough, so it's not going to be J. Jonah Jameson. It's going to be T. Tony Thompson, and really? uh, was... and he wants and he wants pictures of Iron Man. 
Give me pictures of Iron Man now. Give me pictures of Iron Man, the most public superhero of all time. And it's like, this is a guy who has, like, really selective amnesia and has no idea that Tony Stark is Iron Man. And no one tells him. Perfect. Dan Slot, we are going to be tweeting at you after the show. Gear up. Scrap all your plans. In other news, uh, speaking of Marvel, uh, Kelly Thompson uh, has signed an exclusive contract with them. Kelly Thompson can most recently be found on the Kate Bishop Hawkeye book, which I did lose track of somewhere along the way, but had read the initial story arc or two and actually really, really enjoyed it. It had great art by Leonardo Romero, um, but the writing that Kelly, Kelly Thompson in the book I also thought was quite good. Um, so really cool that she now has an exclusive contract with Marvel. I hope it leads to bigger and better things for her. Not to say that Kate Bishop falls in a certain hierarchy of better things, um, but I'll be really interested to see what having this exclusive contract means. And this has absolutely nothing to do with Kelly Thompson, but sometimes I see artists and writers that like sign exclusive contracts with like Marvel or DC, and then like they do nothing with them after signing the contract. It was like just to lock them in, but they did like this little one-off book or this mini series, or maybe they had an ongoing series, but it was like heavily dictated by editorial. And then like at the end, they like jump ship to the other company and like do 10 times better work. Um, anyway, so I wish Kelly Thompson all the best. Yeah, I don't really know much of Thompson's work, but this is exciting. You know, it's it's funny with Bendis like being gone, people are like, ah, like what's gonna happen? But really it's I mean, it's just a great time for some newer talent to come in and rise amongst the ranks. Uh Thompson is currently writing the Rogue and Gambit miniseries that people seem to be enjoying. They haven't announced what is going to be coming from this exclusive contract exactly, but you know, it's con season we're going to be finding out more of that stuff uh, coming Wait, up. It's cons- I thought it doesn't start until in the summer. I mean, it, dude, it's going to be... The, they start announcing the news for cons tomorrow. They'll be like, oh. what were... I mean, that's you know obviously a hyperbole. Well, we're going to announce that San Diego is... I mean, pretty, pretty much. Well, they're like, in the months... Uh, in the coming months at San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel will reveal more of Thompson's exciting work, like as if Comic-Con is where comic news comes from? Come on. We know we're just going to be seeing, I don't even know, the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer, I guess. Gasp? That'd be true. That'd be cool. I mean, what else? Infinity War Part 6 trailer? Could get could, could get a trailer for Part 6. You never know. You never know. Maybe they uh, backlogged a lot of uh, film. Yeah. Uh, David, what's going on over across the street at old DC? Uh, a lot of stuff's going on at DC. I mean, Marv Wolfman is going to be writing Cyborg, which got the book uncanceled, apparently. So is it uh, true that it's... Because like, everyone's just like, is Cyborg uncanceled? Is it truly uncanceled, or is he just coming back for a random 21st off, issue? It's, it's hard to tell. But yeah, Cyborg, for those who don't know, was canceled with issue 20. And now they're saying, well, issue 21 is coming out, written by Marv Wolfman. Uh the full extent of that we don't know it could just be a one-off but that's not what we're talking about right now what we are here to talk about is astro city the long-running astro city will be ending this april with issue number 52 but the series is not over nope it will be continuing at some point as an all-new graphic novel more details to come from kurt Busiek, brent anderson and alex ross and so we want the, our autumn lands back. Yeah, I I looked into that today because somebody mentioned, oh, Kurt Busiek's you know book got canceled, and I was like, oh, like I didn't know what they meant that it was Astro City at first. I thought like, you know, I haven't heard about Autumn Lands in a while, and I googled it, and it's been a year. The last issue was in January. Wow. Yeah. And there's like been no like news, but it's not like officially canceled. I don't know. I imagine it's probably silently canceled. Mm, I don't know if it's been silent. I, I'm sure it's almost almost something like Rumble, where like they're not airing like drama or anything, but maybe they'll be they'll come back with a new number one and a different artist on the book or something. But we'll yeah. see. Dude, Rumble's gotten real crazy. Oh yeah, it's two issues in now for the new volume, right? Yep. Sorry, it's... I know it's not volume two, so it's not technically a new volume. It's just a new. Uh, I mean, you know it's, it's technically yeah. it is it is the start of volume five, technically. 
uh, as far as trade paperbacks are concerned, but is the second volume of single issues. Okay, wow. Could you imagine if we referred... So this is uh, this is volume number six of the series, but it's going to be included in volume number two of the trade. That would be so confusing. Anyway, uh, Nick, Astro City, have you read it? I have read a couple Astro City comics over a decade ago. I don't remember them. I've never read it. It's always just one of those books that's kind of been on my periphery that I feel like now that it's going to be done, I should maybe check out. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's about at all. Uh, I think it's more or less Kerbusiak doing his own takes on superhero tropes cool. uh, in a city called Astro City. Um, that could be an oversimplification of it. Uh, I know, like, back when I had, like, an old wizard, I think one of my first wizard magazines was the one where they did, like, the top 100 comics countdown or something. And the, the, uh, there was one or two Astro City volumes on there that were mentioned as reasons, like, why they were some of the best comics ever. Um, I never, and I always meant to like go and read them to see why, um, but then never did. Um, but yeah, I've heard really good things about Astro City. It could, it's definitely up there with the Hellblazer challenge as far as like trying to read through all of it. But, uh, yeah, it's been going on since 1995 at Image, then to Wildstorm, and now over at Vertigo, which is pretty crazy for like any series to do, like jump around. It's a different like imprints. Could you imagine if they were like, oh yeah, the Walking Dead is now going to be a Vertigo book? I mean, right. The shit. That would be interesting. That 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 would be a breaking the internet type story if it jumped from image. See, yeah, no, I'm just trying. Like, I'm imagining right now. I'm like, oh man, like what would have to happen for that event to take place? People would have to start hating the Walking Dead. Ooh, it's you know it would just have to like stop making money I millions think, and millions of dollars i think the uh the dedicated core fan base that's throwing money at them in a billion different forms would have to entirely turn on them but then why would you continue the book over at vertigo so you'd have to be like image image would be trying to impose their will in some strange way like yeah look man, well, image just implodes air to the batmobile let's go before we get into our reviews real quick, guys, if you listen to the show, we ask that you go and rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use. We would love it if you gave us five stars. If you think that we are worthy of that, that would be fantastic. Rating us, especially a five-star rating, helps other people find the show, and we want to share our thoughts with people who have similar interests. If you think this show is not worth a five-star rating, um, maybe don't rate it, but you email us and let us know what we can do to improve. Yeah, buddy, pal, friend. Anyway, let's hop into our reviews. Nick, you usually start us off. I see you read Detective Comics number 973. Tell us about it. I did. Um, I caught up on the uh, current Detective Comics arc, The Fall of the Batman, even though like half their team is woman. But I'm not going to go there. Um, what's been going on in the storyline so far is that this team called the Victim Syndicate that appeared in the second arc of James Tinney and the Force run since uh, the Rebirth era started uh, has come back in full force and has basically orchestrated the fall of Batman's team uh, through the through the manipulation of Clayface, who's been you know, one of Batman's stalwart enemies and now closest allies. Um, and basically, uh, there's like a riot in Gotham every other week. And this, this arc is no different. There are people riding in the streets. They want Batman's head. Uh, they want this paramilitary strike force taken down, uh, all at the same time that clay for clay force, clay force, clay team of clay faces. They're really extreme and all have mud pouches. They're the clay force. They're coming for you. Clay force. I dig it. I dig it. There's going to be so many cool action figures that just kind of melt in your hands. It's like a stretch arm, stretch army. Stretch arm strong. And there was also, I'm pretty sure what was, so it was on the show. We're going to derail your (laughs) review for a second. While I try to remember the Kablam uh, superheroes. Do you remember Kablam? Oh yeah. yeah. Kablam. I do remember. Action league. Now was the name of it. And there was, I'm pretty sure it is just melt man, which I want to, yeah. Milt man with the power to melt. Anyway, continue your review now that I've gone down that no, tangent. No, that's, that's perfect. I'm just going to 
this actually this is instead of the type of comics I'm going to review Action League now and the, the downfall of Action League now through the use of Meltman being manipulated by the victim syndicate. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go back to I'll go back to the comic. I'm not creative enough to come up with a way to spoof the whole thing. Um, so anyway, um, at this point in the story with Detective Comics number nine seventy three, we're at like the penultimate chapter where Clay pa- Clay Page. What is wrong with my <laughs> Clay? Pace is on a rampage. Clayfus. Uh, Clay Clayfus is on his way to the Belfry, the headquarters of the Belfry. Bat, um, uh, planning on hurting and killing everyone because he's just gone insane. Uh, so the team tries to rally around him and get him to stop. Um, but one thing that happens, and uh, this is the Batman's team has kind of been uh, modeling the X Men as far as having a danger room situation, but they call it the Mud Room. And it was made up of all this excess mud that Batman apparently has been collecting since Clayface, I did it right that time, first showed up on the scene. Um, but when Clayface gets back to the to the Belfry and starts attacking a bunch of stuff, he inadvertently ends up damaging the system that keeps the mudroom in control. And just when he's about to get his senses back together, he's like, oh, crap, what's going on? He gets fused with all of this excess mud that he didn't have before and basically turns into a giant kaiju clay clay face. Kaiju face. Clay kaiju? Clay ju? Nope, not going to go there. Um, It starts rampaging through the city. Uh, Really great two-page spread in this of giant clay face just, like, wrecking through buildings and knocking over cars. Not that I enjoy disaster porn, but, you know. Um... And, of course, now the team's spiraling out of control, and everyone's trying to figure out what to do, and everyone's like, do we, should we kill him? Should we not kill him? Batman's, of course, like, we're not going to kill him. And it just gets crazy. There's a great moment, uh, a really sad moment, I should say, but compelling in terms of greatness. Um, and an otherwise, I would say, unspectacular issue in the sense that it's just like, all right, we're going to throw these guys at him. This doesn't work. We're going to throw these guys at him. It doesn't work. Like, we've kind of seen stuff like this before, but it hits a moment where they where Tinian kind of lands on the dynamic that he developed between Clayface and Orphan, a.k.a. Cassandra Kane, um, where, once again, Clayface has sort of regained his sense of humanity um, uh, because of his relationship with Cassandra Kane, uh, and he's, like, viewing the wreckage that he caused as Clayface around him, and he's crying, and he's like, I don't deserve a happy ending, all while Batwoman is on a rooftop nearby with a gun that's going to kill him. Uh, and it just leads to a really heartbreaking moment by the end of the issue. Um, being that I've been reading this whole rebirth era of Detective Comics, and I've overall really, really enjoyed it, I think James Tinian has done a wonderful job kind of weaving all these disparate, like, kind of extra elements mm-hmm. of Batman mythos together, like, kind of all the characters that aren't getting their own series, or characters that may have been better left forgotten or brought back in. It's the extras, it really is, or it's the expendables. It's the expendables with Batman. Um, you know, but he shows that like underneath it all, you know, they're all really interesting characters with their own perspectives. Um, but from the the get go, he built in sort of a ticking time bomb that like this team wasn't designed to last that they, you know, because realistically, like it's, it's comic books, like they're cyclical, this stuff falls apart all the time. So he kind of built it into narrative, like wink, wink, nod, nod guys, like this is going to end at some point. Um, Hard to say for sure exactly how the team is going to dissolve and what that might mean if, like, that means that his run's coming towards to an end soon or not. But um, for right now, the team is definitely at their lowest point. Um, but I've really been enjoying the ride, uh, except I'm sad that they're all really sad. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, Detective Comics number 973. I definitely recommend. Uh, certainly don't jump in with this issue, but... Uh, you've heard us talk about this book on the show before, and if you're interested, go back and start with the Rebirth Era and read your way up. Very cool. I am still super behind on that book, uh, but man, if you are telling me that Clay Force, the super awesome '80s team of clay-based heroes, shows up, then uh, I'm all in. I'm all if in. I have to lie, so that you know that you check it out, then sure, yeah, it definitely happens. You Clay Force do is a have thing. to lie. Well, this week I am actually looking at a different super team, uh, not from the '80s, but from the '90s and beyond, and that is Power Rangers number twenty-three. I'm gonna lean over off mic and grab the issue, which is super great. Uh, there we go, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number twenty-three. Kyle Higgins, Jonas Sheriff. Uh, Joanna Lafuente, 
uh, the creative team behind this book for a while now. The Power Rangers have been working with this woman named Grace, who was once upon a time for one day a Power Ranger. Um, unfortunately, her team, uh, they had to stop the green Psycho Ranger. Unfortunately, her team faced very tragic losses and that's kind of been haunting her ever since the power rangers have been helping her um because finster who makes all of rita's monsters uh, is hiding out on earth and made a bunch of monsters that look like people and after a set amount of time turn into monsters these people don't know that they're monsters so they have to find a way to figure out who the monsters are uh anyway this issue features the Rangers fighting a monster who I don't remember if they ever say his name, um, but I think it might be called Sheeple. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and then after they deal with that, they go meet up with Grace, who with her organization has kind of taken over uh, this little town uh or it might be Vancouver, I can't remember which one they say, uh, this Canadian town slash city, and they are scanning people one by one to try to figure out who the monster is. Of course, the Rangers don't agree with these tactics. Um, it's causing some real issues because, according to Zordon in a previous issue, they are not supposed to be forces of change. They are only supposed to protect Earth. They're not supposed to be seeking out ways uh, to make changes to what's going on. Which is actually that is some interesting tension um, that you don't really think about in a Power Rangers book that is about teenagers in colorful costumes punching guys in rubber suits. Uh, and this issue, of course, has a giant reveal at the end that Grace, um, who has had shady hints to her this entire time, is indeed super shady and doing super shady stuff. Uh, but I won't spoil that at this juncture. It's been interesting to have this ongoing series about a kid's show that they are trying to take seriously and I think in a lot of ways are being successful. Uh, they do take some time to ask some interesting questions about, you know, the idea of you have this power, you could be a very positive force for change, but you're really only supposed to protect Uh they asked the question, but they haven't really explored it too much, so we'll see what's going to happen there. It's interesting to see the ways they flirt with the canon, because you can't really deviate much, especially because this is supposed to take place pretty early on in the show. You know, it's the original team. You can't kill someone off. If someone disappears, they just disappear for a while and then come back. Uh so it's hard to make some dramatic tension that way. They've done well of introducing some original villains, um, which kind of adds some nice flavor. You get to do some and some other different characters because you get to do some different fun stuff there. I do like the ways they have expanded. Um, what in this issue, it's been kind of talk heavy for a while. On this issue, we got to get back to some action with the Rangers fighting this sheep. Um, who can create his sheeple, which are little wool creatures. Uh, and they're all spouting off stuff like, uh, hold on, let me find it. Because they, they, they need to spread the word. And it's stuff like Paul is dead. There was a second shooter. Uh, Earth is flat. There's only one Olsen. It's a bunch of just really crazy, inane stuff. I didn't really like it at first, but then I kind of thought about it, and Rita's monsters would say a lot of really crazy things, uh, sometimes nonsensically. Once upon a time, there was a rapping pumpkin. Uh, it's not good. It's just what we had to watch at the time, guys. Um, so this is, I think, right kind of in line with that goofiness. Uh I don't dislike it. Um, overall, I think that the show, the, the show, the the comic is doing a good job of staying true to the spirit while trying to do some expanding. I think if you're a fan of the original show, it's definitely worth checking out if you're not already. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, I, I know they had they've had some real success with this story that they've launched a couple of spin-off titles, but you know, how long before the 
the sort of shine of the newness wears off and the novelty goes away. Uh, and if they keep the quality up, you know, the book can maybe stick around for 50 issues, but we'll see. I'm just having fun with it while the ride is still happening. I'm, and I'm keeping my arms and legs in at all times. And I'm making sure I know where my belongings are. So when I get off the ride, I can take them with me. That's, that's just good theme park etiquette. Why has there never been a Power Rangers theme park? Right? I mean, I know why theoretically, because it's, you know, as a flash in the pan sort of thing, but I think you could do like a really cool experience in a theme park with Power Rangers. I don't know. Universal, get back to me. I think we can talk this one through. Uh, I know Saban would like to make that kind of money. Anyway, that's Power Rangers number 23 in stores now. Also in stores this week is Doomsday Clock number 3. Doomsday Clock. We mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode. This is the continuing story of the DC Universe and the Watchmen Universe colliding quite literally in some ways uh picking up from last issue just a quick synopsis the comedian is still alive uh and fights ozymandias meanwhile batman meets his uh, what is essentially his counterpart in rorschach we get i mean rorschach is the counterpart of the question if you really want to be specific Uh, We also get a little bit of this new Rorschach's history and why he's kind of the way that he is. And uh, and this all ends with Rorschach in an insane asylum, probably as it should. Uh, And, of course, we're going to be seeing the Joker in this book at some point, which I think we already knew. But anyway, Nick, Doomsday Clock number three, what's just what's your quick... What what my feels? Yeah, what's your quick thoughts? Um, there's I mean, this is the kind of book where they're they're clearly putting a lot into every issue, and every issue's got like thirty two pages of story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's juggling threads of Watchmen, he's juggling threads uh, of just like the characters in their immediate presence, and he's continuing other rebirth 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 uh, narratives like having uh, Johnny Thunder in there back in the retirement home. Um, Though one thing I I noticed, uh, this Batman costume is a few years old. It's old. It's got the the circular Batman symbol. The, uh-huh. I don't know if you know this, but this is supposed to take place a year from current DC time. Oh, so I didn't. I didn't that, realize that. Was I, a year I believe from now. that was established in an interview I read. I could be wrong. Someone can correct me, but I do believe it's supposed to take place a year from now. Hmm, which I guess kind of gives them leeway to, because this book is getting delayed and delayed and delayed, that they yeah. can just like keep telling stories prior to it, you know, matter to it mattering. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot in this from the reveal of New Rorschach um, to figuring out how the comedian could show up there in the climax of the previous or the cliffhanger of the previous issue um, to how the Joker gets involved somehow with his. Uh, Watchmen doppelgangers, Marionette and Mime, kind of creating a scene that's going to draw him out. Um, th- I mean, things that I like, Gary Frank is continue to do, continuing to do a stellar job on art. Uh, and the writing overall is really, really good. From Jeff Johns, there's a lot, like, it's slower, it's more character-driven. Um, he's kind of, like, in, a, in the same way that Watchmen did stuff with, like, the Black Freighter storyline and the... There's another one. And, like, all of, like, the 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 extra materials they had like this the stuff from the previous night owl i'm trying to remember it's been so long since i've read watchmen but he's interjecting this stuff with like this nathaniel dusk uh old like uh noir film character mm-hmm. um and like the, the news kind of highlighting what's going on in the world while we're spending time with these characters um so it, it makes it a very interesting read and i'll be very curious when this is all said and done like kind of reading it all together and seeing like clearly nathaniel dusk the nathaniel dusk dusk stuff ties in somewhere mm-hmm. you know to this overall there whether it's thematically or not it's trying to tell us something about where the story is going and what the story is about um i did like the reveal because i really thought he was just insane that mary not marionette that mime is actually using I, real guns i i wondered guns. i wondered if that was going to be what was going on uh like i should have expected it yeah yeah because because you i mean there's obviously some reason that he is feared and and 
you know, known as a notorious criminal. And I think uh, Marionette with that string is so wonderfully thematic and horrifying. It is. It's very demented and and really well executed. Oh, it's so uncomfortable when she is slicing off people's limbs and and faces and... I, I so for me uh, one thing that I was an interesting scene but I don't quite understand it is Batman uh, going through this elaborate plan to lead Rorschach to Arkham Asylum and then lock him in there without any kind of due process which it's Batman so I realize due process isn't really his thing so I guess it's not out of character but I just I don't like what happens when an Arkham Asylum uh, attendant you know, walks by and is like, why is this man in here? And he's never like, is Batman just going to fudge the paperwork so that he's always been there? Like, people aren't going to really take notice. I mean, I, mean, I know could. it's Arkham Asylum, but still. I mean, he totally could, right? He totally could do that. Um, I think that, I think that it is a sort of keeping him where he needs him right now situation. Obviously, we're not going to know for a couple of months. Uh, do you think this is part of a larger plot by Batman to have him in there? He's not just putting him there because he genuinely think genuinely thinks he's crazy, but he actually I mean he probably does genuinely think he's crazy, but I think he's you know, that that journal from Kovac uh is going to probably illuminate some key differences between their worlds. I mean he's gotta either he thinks that this guy is just genuinely hundred percent insane or he's being Batman about it and playing the cards extremely close to the chest and will will bring Rorschach back in when he needs to. Because, I mean, it's like... Right, what, but if he was going to lock Rorschach up, I'm sure he has some kind of bat prison within the cave that he could have put him. I mean, yeah, he, he was keeping the Joker there for a while, right? Right. So, I mean, there's, there's precedent where, like, it didn't... To me, it just felt like... It, it was just more for the sake of the scene. Like this would be a really cool visual. This would be a really cool like story nugget that like, this is what Batman does. Like this is the twist that, you know, Dr. Manhattan wasn't in Arkham Asylum. Um, but it just kind of felt to me, it just didn't feel like the, the, the right approach to that part. Like I don't necessarily care that he locked him up, but it didn't make sense for him to go through all the effort to get him into Arkham Asylum when he could have put him somewhere else. Uh, I think, I mean, part of the difficulty... Unless he genuinely thinks that he's insane. Which he very well might. But, I mean, that's... I mean, he probably is. That's kind of... Well, obviously. That's kind of the problem, though, with... I mean, that's the end of the issue. That's supposed to be this, like, big thematic moment. And it is. But it's like, we don't know what's going to happen in the next nine issues that might justify that or change it in some way. So I'm totally willing to let my opinion change. I'll say the other thing that I didn't like was the fact that they brought the comedian back at all. Like, I like the idea that this that they're doing sort of a, this is what the sequel to Watchmen could have looked like and how it's tying to DC Universe. But then having it be that, like, the comedian's falling to his death, but then he wakes up in the ocean in the DC Universe. Um, and, like, he, he survives. Like, again, this is yeah. something where once the whole story has unraveled, like, we might have a better idea of why he was brought back. Uh, uh, I, I, my current theory is that the comedian will at some point be thrown off of something and then be flashed back to his own universe right in time to fall onto the sidewalk. I don't in a bathrobe. Yep. Yeah, it's Dr. Manhattan, man. He, he pulled him across the universe. You think you can't give him a costume change? Uh, yeah i I just think it's something where obviously the chain of events that happened in watchmen have still happened i don't think that um they have been thus altered at this point so i mean we'll see because dr manhattan is still a character on the fringes you know we we finally got our first look at him but again that was still in a flashback we haven't really gotten to look at him in the in the current day uh and Mm -hmm. And I mean, what's it gonna? Is there gonna be blue floppy wiener when we do? Probably not. Probably not. I wonder how they're gonna get by that. But two podcast hosts can dream. Yes, we can, and we can start a false rumor that there will be. Uh, at this point, you know, we're three issues in out of twelve, so we are. Um, boy, why am I trying to do math? We're a fourth of the way through the story, right? Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh. I feel like it's still still on a slow build. Uh, 
where it's, I mean, it's funny because it, we're barely into this thing and I'm like, man, things are still just kind of crawling along. But I mean, that's, that's fine. I just, I want it all now, I guess. I want... Right. I mean, if we're thinking of it in terms of like a three act structure and they're breaking it down evenly, evenly, um, like issues, issue number three, I would say that first issue, they kind of established where the Watchmen universe has been, what's been going on there. And then it carries over into the DC universe and we kind of catch up with like what's going on with the DC universe in the present, or in this case, a year from now. And then this third issue is kind of the ramp up to the collision course between characters. Like the, the second issue ends with, you know, Ozymandias, you know, meeting Lex Luthor and the comedian show up. It's like, what's going on? And now they're, they're, they're sewing the threads of Marionette and Mime uh, colliding with the Joker. And of course, Batman has met Warshak at this point. And, uh, I think by the, by the end of the fourth issue is going to be where probably they'll bring in Superman at this point. I was going to say capacity. Um, but it'll be where sort of the proverbial shit hits the fan as far as like the, the full collision happens. Maybe we get a Dr. Manhattan reveal or something, but like that's where, and then the rest will be, you know, acts two and three. I like that they have been slow to, uh, to bring in the elements of the DC universe. You know, it does feel genuinely like a story in which Watchmen characters come to the DC universe and are discovering it. It's right. not it's not like Batman detected an anomaly and I'm going to seek it out and oh it's Watchmen characters. Right. Uh the the DC characters are becoming a bigger part of the story but they are being brought in as a result of the actions of the Watchmen characters. Right. It's uh, very character driven which is nice. Mhm. And there was something else that I was going to say um I think that Superman's going to come in in response to all the Lex Luthor stuff that's going on. Uh, Probably Clark Kent will be investigating or something, and right, he'll he'll, he'll, inter- he'll interview this assailant. And uh, oh, I I'm really curious because it, they've you know mentioned it a few times now this whole thing about most metahumans are coming from America, right? And that's obviously going to play a key in this storyline. I'm just I'm so curious as to how. And like, what are, is it going to be revealed that that's because of Dr. Manhattan? That's because of Dr. Manhattan. But I feel like whatever role Dr. Manhattan plays on this thing, it's not going to be that like the whole world potentially finds out about Dr. Manhattan. It might be that certain select DC characters find out about him and he might be that his presence has a greater impact, but I don't think it will be like, it might say that Dr. Manhattan manipulates so that the U S government create a bunch of superheroes. I am curious what the end game is of the super, the, the Superman theory whatever i think that's what it's called superman theory mm-hmm. um but i i don't i don't know how it's going to impact the dc universe at large um uh, other than just confirming like yeah like a crap ton of superheroes come from the united states um but it will be interesting to see i'm also really curious how this is all going to tie into the justice society returning as this issue does take time to reintroduce us to johnny thunder who we learned from the dc reverse special uh, is currently in a uh, assisted living home, uh, unable to call the lightning. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Gary Frank's art in this issue is just stunning. At times, the real uh, kinetic movement in the action sequences it, it, uh, is just masterful, uh, where you can see, like, well, I can see why this is going to be taking you a little bit longer to get this kind of stuff out. Um every single week you know you can't just have a week where it's like uh here's four splash pages and every other page is three panels because we gotta catch up it's like they gotta commit to that grid layout uh and and when they do play around with it you know it's it's very rarely and it's still in service to that layout um but man i am just so excited for whatever action is going to be coming from this book because it just looks amazing in here amazing amazing spider-man number doomsday clock three that works right i I dig it nick do you have any further thoughts to share on the doomsday clock here my thoughts are spent but thank you for asking all right great well i think it's safe to say that we both have enjoyed it of course it is not a perfect book but it is perfect for what we need right now 
And with that, we're going to be closing up the show. But before we go, we have to ask ourselves a very important question. You boys aren't nerds, are you? We are nerds, and we like nerdy things. Nick, do you have a recommendation? Um, The only thing I've really been catching up on lately that I actually may have talked about on last show, and now I can't remember, is uh, watching Parks and Rec. I did say it on last show, didn't I? Yeah, you might have. I, don't I might have done. So I, apparently I'm still watching it, so Parks and Rec is still pretty entertaining. Check it out. Cool. Well, I'm going to be um, recommending a podcast again. Uh, I try not to do this super often, but this one I think is definitely worth recommending to everybody. It is 99% Invisible, episode 292. It is called Speech Bubbles, Understanding Comics with Scott McCloud. The uh, the host of 99% Invisible, Roman Mars, sits down with Scott McCloud, and they just they talk a little bit about comics. It's kind of a crash course in the Understanding Comics book. Um, it's made me want to go back and try to get through that book yet again because, boy, it's a textbook. Uh, we talked about it here on the show. It is a textbook. Um, but it is really cool just the way he talks about um, visual design and not just in comics, uh, but but how you know where it is in our lives at all times uh, and the places where it fails and could be better. And then I didn't know this. Uh, his daughter is blind or she has a uh, a disease that his father also had that you know she's most she's lost a lot of her eyesight. Um, and it's just actually very fascinating to hear how he talks to her about stuff like visual design and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. 99% Invisible, the latest episode with Scott McCloud. Uh, his name is in the title, so it's pretty easy to find. You guys should check that out. And thank you so much for checking out this show. You can find out more about the show, heckyeahcomics.com, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And, of course, you can find me around the Internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. Find me there. I am also on two other podcasts, the Movie Go Round podcast and Brokebot Mountain, both released weekly in conjunction with this. I do not have enough time in my week. Boy. Uh, and you can find Nick just watching Parks and Rec, guys. Yes, that's all I do. And you that's can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.